Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Oh yes, it's been four weeks to a better life, hasn't it? A better life above the sun with Jesus in eternity. It's great to have you here. Hey, help me welcome all of our locations right now, all of our campuses tuning in. We're so glad, so glad that you're with us. Great to be able to have church this weekend. Of course, we have with us uh, not only a special guest, but a special friend. Many of you don't know that uh, Pastor Jimmy, not only is he the founder of Marriage and Family Today, that he literally speaks to millions and millions of people all over the world through his television program and marriage conferences, but he's also uh, one of our overseers here at Celebration Church. And he speaks into this church and he prays for you and he has really had a huge impact on my life, on Carrie's life, speaking into our lives. And he's a dear friend of the church and uh, he flew all the way over from Jerusalem, like straight in to Jacksonville uh, to be with be with us this weekend. And we, we had a great marriage conference, a modified marriage conference because of what was going on with the in the city, but uh, it was a great marriage conference and you are gonna love hearing from him today. So come on church, at all of our locations, I want you to stand to your feet and give the best welcome that you can for Pastor Jimmy Evans. Thank you, Pastor. Love you. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. You can take your seat there. Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you. And uh, as Pastor said, I was in Israel this week. I was doing some television recording for the Daystar Network. But goodness gracious, we were watching you guys on TV and all that you were going through and praying for you. And um, I just know that God did a lot of miracles, but obviously there's been a lot of uh, destruction. But isn't it good to know that we have brothers and sisters in Christ standing with us during things like this? So, and I'm so proud. I'm so proud of your pastor, Pastor Stovall, Pastor Kerry. Uh, I know you know you have the best pastors in the whole world, and they're they're phenomenal. And but just just the way that, that celebration is touching this city and this area in the world. And even in the midst of the hurricane and all the damage that's been done, just the, I was at the other campus, the Midtown campus last night speaking and the Red Cross was back there just, you know, going and people were buzzing everywhere and, and using that and this building also as a staging ground. So it's just great to be here. And I love being a part of this church. And I have a special message for you today. Uh, if you have your Bibles there, you can turn to Proverbs 18. And um, I have been talking about marriage all weekend at the marriage conference. This message is called Training Your Mouth for Marriage. And I want to talk about communication. I bring a lot of different communication messages in marriage seminars. This is the most important. This is the most basic. And the reason that I bring this message on the weekends when I do a marriage conference is this is for everybody. I mean, young and old, if you're married, you're not married, this, this message is for everybody, but I wanna make some specific application to the area of marriage. Proverbs 18, verse 20, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Interesting verses, it says, a man's stomach shall be filled from the produce of his mouth. Produce means something that comes from a seed. 
Whenever you plant a fruit seed, you get produce from that, or a vegetable seed, you get produce from that. And the truth is, all of our words are seed-bearing entities, and all of our words are going to come back to us, especially in the area of marriage. And in the area of marriage, very simple formula, your marriage will never rise above the level of your mouth. Good marriages are full of good words. Bad marriages are full of bad words or no words. But if you're going to have a good marriage, you have to learn that all of your words are consequential, good or bad. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And if we love this, if we understand the power that is in our tongue, we can have a fabulous marriage, a fabulous life, because every word that we speak is consequential. Every word that we speak is going to return back to us, good or bad. Now, as a young husband, my wife and I got married when we were 19 years old. We were high school sweethearts, uh, met when we were sophomores in high schools, dated, got married at 19. We've been married for 44 years. Thank you. And I, I'm 63 years old. I want to do it for, I don't want you to have to do the math in your head. I'm 63. I turned 64 in three weeks and I'm about a year away from some massive discounts on everything. So I'm just so excited about all that. So we got married at 19 years old. I was just a very, very bad husband, uh, very immature and just my mouth killed our marriage. I don't know any other way to say it. I was just, I just didn't know how to talk to a woman and I didn't understand Karen. I didn't know that her differences were God designed. I thought she's the most beautiful woman in the world and she's the strangest person on earth. And, but she was normal. She was a great, great woman. I just didn't know. I didn't know how to deal with women. And so I said things that killed her. I mean, just killed our marriage. And after several years of marriage, we were on the brink of divorce and God changed my heart. And I repented to my wife and I went to her uh, one night, the night we almost separated. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry for all that I've done. And she said, your mouth has done the most damage to me. Well, here's the good news. If a bad mouth can ruin a marriage, a good mouth can heal it. And when God changed my heart, my words changed. And when I began to speak words of life to my wife, it resurrected our marriage. And we've been out married for 44 years. We have a wonderful marriage. We don't have a perfect marriage, but we have a great marriage. But our marriage is full of good words. I've been, I've been gone, I've been gone to Israel all week and I've been here, I talk to my wife every single day and we love to talk and our conversation is so uh, edifying for both of us. So I wanna talk to you about this issue of the potential that you have for marriage, the potential that you have for life, but the consequential nature of our words. We have to understand the power of our words. This is Jesus. In Matthew 12. Now, the context of this is Jesus has been doing miracles, and the Pharisees who hated Jesus came to him and said, You cast out demons by the power of Beelzebub. Beelzebub means Lord of the Flies, it means demon master. And what they're saying to Jesus, they're watching the Holy Spirit move, and they come to Jesus and say, That's the devil. Here's Jesus' response Therefore, I say to you, every sin. And blasphemy will be forgiven men, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad 
and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. So you talk about the consequential nature of words here. The Pharisees are throwing around words, and they're saying, oh, you're, you're the demon master. You're, you've got power over demons because you're just like them. Jesus said, watch it, watch it. He says, make the tree good and the fruit good, or make the tree bad and the fruit bad. The tree is our heart. The fruit are our words. And Jesus is saying, be good or be bad. But you have control over your heart. Jesus would never tell us to change something if it wasn't in our power to change it. See, God doesn't change our heart. We change our hearts. The devil doesn't change our hearts. We change. Our, we have the power over our heart. But the, our hearts are the trees that produce the fruit. Jesus also says in this passage that the only unforgivable sin is committed with our mouths. Now, you have never done that. You never would do that. Any person who's committed that sin would never even darken the doors of a church. So never worry about that. But Jesus says the only sin that can't be forgiven is committed with our mouth. And then he says this, that our words reveal our heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so let me say this. You can always know the condition of your heart by the, your words. A hateful heart speaks hateful words. An angry heart speaks angry words. A dirty heart speaks dirty words. Um, a loving heart speaks loving words. A pure heart speaks pure words. A kind heart speaks kind words. You, you, and when you hear words coming out of your mouth that aren't good, you, you know that you have some business to do down here. Because you have the power to go down here and say, who, who haven't I forgiven? Why do I have so much pride? Why do I hurt people with my words? Why, why do I say the things that I say? And we go down and we deal with our hearts and then our words change. And that's what Jesus is saying here. And by the way, Jesus says that we will give an account for every word that we've spoken in our lives, even every idle word. In other words, all of our words are being recorded. I don't know how God does it. I know that God can remember himself, but maybe there's some little snitch angel following us around writing everything down. Mm, that's a good one. You know, and someday they're going to snitch on us, you know, in the presence of God. And Jesus said, even every idle word is being recorded. You say, what does that mean? Well, you're in the garage and you're hammering something and you miss the nail, hit your thumb, that word. And they're all being recorded. Let me give you the good news. And that is there is an eraser on the recorder. It's called the blood of Jesus. And so, you know, when we say, we all say things that we shouldn't say. When we say something we shouldn't say, we just ask for God to forgive us and ask people to forgive us. It's important in marriage and in relationships, be careful with your mouth because words are very powerful. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. You can kill somebody with your tongue. Don't we live in a smart aleck, vulgar culture? And did you know many of the people in our culture have no idea, one, no idea that one day they're going to stand before God and hear all their words recounted and be judged by them? They have no idea. And so what I'm saying is we're not perfect people, but we have to be careful about this. And when we make a mistake, we say, God, I'm sorry. And let me say this. If you've planted a bad crop in your spouse, 
you can kill it through repentance. And you go and say, I'm so sorry for what I've said. I have not, I have not been righteous in the way that I've spoken to you, especially when I get angry. Will you forgive me? And when they forgive you, it means that crop is killed. Then you begin to plant good seed. And so our words are very consequential and really, literally every word that we speak is a seed. So because of that, I want to talk to you about the three laws of sowing and reaping. If you're going to be a good farmer, if you're going to live a wonderful life and the produce of your lips is going to be full and pleasant, you have to learn the laws of sowing and reaping. Three laws of sowing and reaping. Number one, you reap what you sow. That seems pretty simple. Galatians 6, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Don't be deceived, God is not mocked. The word mocked there means to throw your nose up at God. You're going to reap exactly what you sow. You, you cannot violate this law. Well, why is this important when we talk about marriage? Because you can't get a good crop from bad seed. But sometimes in marriage, and this was me as a young husband, sometimes we think that we can threaten divorce or that we can threaten an affair or threaten abuse or that we can curse someone or speak down to them and somehow it's gonna bring a good result. It doesn't. Don't ever let the word divorce into your marriage. It's the devil's word. You don't ever say that word. You don't ever threaten. And you don't ever use unrighteous means to get a righteous response. Well, I've been a marriage counselor for 35 years, a Christian marriage counselor. I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I'm a pastor and I do biblical counseling. And I have precious Christian people come in to see me, couples that go to church, sweet people, carry big Bibles, love Jesus. And when they get mad, they cuss like satyrs. And, uh, and, and I, the reason I know is they tell me. They, they, you know, the only reason people come to counseling is just to tattle on each other. You know, they know they're not the problem. They're just there to rat on their spouse. And they'll say, well, Pastor Jimmy, we got in an argument the other night and he said, and she said this and this and this, and they cussed. And, uh, and in 35 years of marriage counseling, I've never heard this. I've never heard anyone come into me for marriage counseling and they say, you know, Pastor Jimmy, the other night we got in an argument. And my spouse just cussed me upside one side and down the other, called me every name in the book. And boy, it helped. <laughs> and right in the middle of them just call, calling me everything and cussing me out like a little light went on. And I thought, you know, I get it. And I'm just so glad that I'm married to someone who's willing to talk to me like that. <laughs> I've never heard that. But here's what I have heard. The word devastate. And my wife said this to me, your words have devastated me. The power of death is in our mouth. You know, you know why we call it cursing? Because it curses. It invokes a curse. It's negative language that destroys. And so the law of sowing and reaping is you're going to reap what you sow. You're not going to put a bad seed in the ground and get something good out of it. Okay. Now you may have been raised around that, but you need to forsake that. The other, the other part of this is I you're not going to sow a good seed and not get a result back. Some people believe, is, there, there's no use in me saying anything good. I have a lot of people, men and women in counseling, and they'll come in for counseling and I'll say, okay, you're, you're negative, you're, you're hurt. I know you're hurt, you're frustrated, but the problem is you've be become negative and all you're doing is just saying negative things to your spouse and I want you to change that. 
and I want you to go home and I want you to be pleasant and kind and encouraging and positive. And they'll say like this to me, well, it won't help. I, I tried that one afternoon. It didn't, it didn't work. <laughs> and I'll say, I want you to go home and I want you to be positive. And sometimes women will say, Jimmy, Pastor Jimmy, you don't understand my husband. I mean, that might work for some men, but I calculated my husband's name. It came out 666. <laughs> I mean, I, I accidentally married the Antichrist. And go, okay, I got it. So, so husbands, Ephesians 26 and 27, 5, 26 and 27, is talking about men being righteous husbands like Jesus. And here's what it says about Jesus talking to husbands, that Jesus might sanctify and cleanse her, the church, with the washing of water with the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Why does Jesus, we need the word, don't we need the word, right? And so the word is sanctifying and cleansing us. You know why Jesus does it? Because he wants a better bride. Let me read it one more time. That he might cleanse her with the washing of water with the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church. The words of Jesus, because they're so loving and pure, they make us a better bride. And so it's a self-loving thing that Jesus is doing investing his word into us. Well, here's the thing about husbands, and that is women are two to three times more verbal than their husbands. I don't think anybody's shocked by that. In other words, women need the words of their husbands, and women need those words to be patient. They need them to be honest and full. They need them to be a lot. They, they need a lot of communication. Well, when Karen and I got married, uh, Karen always wanted to talk, and I just thought, she's nosy. Oh, I just... And if you're trying to kill a monster, you don't want to feed it. So I thought, if any information I give her, I'm just feeding the monster. i got to kill the monster. She's nosy. You don't want to tell nosy people stuff. And so, you know, literally, I mean, so I didn't know that she needed uh, communication like that. And see, women don't want just to talk. They want you to cough it up. And so women say, where'd you go today? I uh, Nowhere. Who'd you see? Nobody. Well, that's really frustrating for a woman. She wants, here's what she wants. She said, you, where'd you go today? Uh, what'd you do today? Well, at uh, 627 this morning, I came into consciousness. And uh, my eyes were still closed, but I was thinking about my meeting with Bob and I was feeling kind of insecure. Well, they love that. See, they don't want just the information. They want the feeling that comes with it. And so all that, that's what, that's what they want. So understand this, the more loving, honest, patient communication you get from your wife, the more you're going to get the response from her that you're looking for. As a young husband, I did everything wrong and I kept wanting the right response sexually, the right response respect. I wanted the right response for my wife. And uh, I didn't get it because I was an idiot and I was killing her with my mouth. But when I changed and began to be righteous with my mouth, she began to respond to me the way I'd always wanted. And I thought, well, if I'd have known that before, I'd have been chatty Cathy. <laughs> okay. You reap what you sow. Law number one. Law number two, you reap much more than what you've sown. When you sow a corn seed, you don't get a corn seed back. You get a corn stalk back. Hundreds of seeds. And so it's disproportionate. So Jesus, pastor was uh, quoting this verse, given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, 
and running over it will be put into your bosom. That, those are agricultural terms for incredible increase that you get when you give. James 3, we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are large and driven by fierce winds, they're turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a force a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity, the tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. So James comes here and he compares our tongue to a bit, a rudder, and a spark. Now think about this for just a minute. See, what he is saying is this is disproportionate. This huge, powerful horse is controlled by a tiny piece of metal in his mouth, this big. This massive ship is completely controlled by a tiny little rudder here at the back. And someone's driving down the highway and takes a cigarette that big and flicks it out the window and burns down millions of acres of forest. He said, that's this thing right here. This controls your life disproportionately. You reap much more than what you've sown. And what it means is you can destroy your life with one sentence. You can destroy someone else's life with one sentence. You can say something with your mouth that can destroy a lifetime, literally destroy a lifetime of your efforts. That's the power that's in the tongue. But here's the point. You have the power of life in your tongue. And every time you speak to other people, you can release life from your tongue. Now, let me give you a little formula here. God wants to use your mouth to heal and build. The devil wants to use your mouth to kill and destroy. You decide who uses your mouth. I want my mouth to be used for righteousness. Anybody with me? I want to be a healer. But understand, whenever you're speaking, you have the power of life that comes out. And it says that a man will eat, uh, be satisfied from the produce of his lips. And what this means is when you get this thing right, if you don't get anything else right, get this thing right. And when you get this right, your life is going to be disproportionately blessed be incredibly blessed with the return of the seed that comes out of your mouth. Number three, law of sowing and reaping. There is a delay between sowing and reaping that differs between seeds. You, you're, there's, there's going to be a germination period for the seed. You don't always get an immediate response. Galatians 6, don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life and let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Don't, don't lose heart. So when you begin to be a good sower and you sow righteous seed into your marriage and into your family, into people, be patient, be patient. It doesn't always come back right away. Let me give you some examples of this and that is training your children and speaking to them. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. You cannot produce immediate results in children. Now you can keep children from running into the street, uh, from sticking stuff in light sockets and stuff like that. Hopefully it's, it's, it takes a lot of management, but you can do it. But you can't produce righteous character in a child immediately. If you try, you'll damage that child. 
The Bible says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Okay, so our children are naturally foolish. And we train them and we train them. And by the way, training doesn't mean teaching. Training means showing. It includes, it includes teaching, but your life speaks louder than your lips to your children. And they have a video recorder and an audio recorder going 24 hours a day. Don't you wish they didn't? And they're recording your life and they're going to be like you. That's the power. If you don't want your children to be like you, you don't understand parenting. So you want to speak to your children the way you want them to speak one day. You want to live your life. You want your values, your priorities, your character to be like you want them to be one day. But understand this, every child has to travel their own road. It says here, train up a child the way that they should go and when they get old. What it means is when they mature. It doesn't mean when they're 70. It means when they mature, they'll come back to us. So we have two children. We have five grandchildren. Our, our daughter's 43 and our son is 40. Great, great people. They're, they, they're believers. They serve the Lord. Our son works with us in marriage today. And, uh, but they had their own journey. Our son, Brent, uh, he, you know, we raised him right. We raised him in church, but he went through his little uh, spells, you know, and when he went to Baylor, he was not living for the Lord. And we challenged him on that. We prayed for him, you know, every day and we challenged him on that, but he wasn't living for the Lord. And so a, a couple of things happened when he was at Baylor and he called up one day and said, can I come home and live with you guys for a little while? And we said, sure, because we wanted him to come home. So he came home. He still was kind of messing around, wasn't living for the Lord. And there was a girl in, in our church named Stephanie Stambaugh and he asked her out and she said no. So he came home that day uh, and he said, dad, do you know who Stephanie Stambaugh is? And I said, sure. He said, I asked her out and she said no. I said, well, why did she say no? Uh, uh, Brent said, she said that she wouldn't go out with me because I wasn't living for God. And he said, what do you think about that? And I said, well, that's the one we've been praying for, Brent. <laughs> that's our daughter-in-law. <laughs> and the point being, you know, when you're frustrated at your kids, and they're not doing what you want them to do. Sometimes the temptation is to get really, you know, hostile with them and say, you're never going to amount to anything. You're going to do this and this, this. And you damage that child. You curse that child. And you damage that child. The way you speak to your children, even in the worst moments, you want to speak to your children righteously and say, Billy, you know, why would a genius put his sister in the dryer? You know, it, <laughs> that's not what you ought to be. Yeah. And we want to speak righteously to our children and not scar our children. So the point being, it takes, there's going to be a delay between sowing and reaping. Be patient, be a righteous farmer. Number two example here of the delay is praying for your marriage and children when you're praying. Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers. The word remember there comes from a word mania in the Greek, which also means to build a monument. And then Acts 10, 4, the angel came to the house of Cornelius and said, Cornelius, your prayers have come up as a memorial before God. So let me give you a little word picture here because you're praying for your husband, you're praying for your wife, you're praying for your finances, you're praying for your children, you're praying for a circumstance and you think sometimes, oh, you know, I think my prayers are evaporating. I don't know what my prayers are doing. And you get discouraged. Can I give you a word picture? When you're praying, you're building a memorial in front of God for what you're praying for. 
your prayers are not evaporating, they're accumulating. And when you have prayed a sufficient amount, all of a sudden there's a monument that looks like your husband in the presence of God and God says, oh, change him. There's a monument that looks like your wife. There's a monument that looks like your child. Your prayers are not evaporating, they're accumulating because your prayers are powerful before God. So don't get discouraged. Let me give you one, one more example here and I'll finish and that is speaking the truth in love to a person that maybe you're frustrated with, your spouse, speaking the truth in love and leaving the results to the Holy Spirit. It's, you know, men and women are completely equals. You can say anything to your spouse you want to say. The question is, who's the enforcer? You or the Holy Spirit? Because it's very appropriate to speak the truth, but when you try to enforce it, that's when you damage the relationship. Now, I, I did this. So, let me give you a, a couple of stories here. My, my story was, you know, the Lord had healed our marriage and we had a good marriage, but when I got frustrated at Karen, especially when we kept having the same conversation over and over, I, I got forceful. You know, I would just, and she would, Karen would say to me in the, in the kind of the heat of the moment, she said, I wish I could record you and play you back to you so you could hear how you talk to me. And I would say, there's nothing wrong with the way I'm talking to you. And she'd say, I don't like the way you talk to me. So, and I wasn't being mean or anything, just being forceful. But I got healed. I got healed instantly. And I was reading one morning, and I know Karen was praying for me to be healed, but I was reading in Ephesians 5 where it says, Jesus washes his bride in the washing of water with the word. And I read that scripture and I saw two pictures that changed, changed me. The first picture I saw was myself as a filthy bride. And Jesus was taking water and putting it on top of my head and just letting it go. And what I realized was he had been doing this since the day I got saved. He was just very gently taking water and he was washing me just one day at a time, one handful of water at a time. You know, when they have a masterpiece, like a painting, that's like a Rembrandt that needs to be cleaned. You know, the way they clean that is with a Q-tip. Have you ever seen that done? They'll take a Q-tip and a person, it takes months or years. Now, I could never do this, I'm ADD, I'm ADD. I would just take a scraper to it. But, but they, they take a Q-tip and a person will sit there and barely rub it so that the dirt comes off but the masterpiece isn't affected. Did you know that that's exactly what Jesus does with you? You know why? Because you're a masterpiece. You may have a little dirt on you but he is very gentle and patient. When we get saved, he knows we're not a short project and he's okay with that. It's gonna take a lifetime to clean us up and he's okay with that. He's a very patient savior. The second picture I saw that healed me was I saw Karen in a wedding gown and I was washing her off with a fire hose. And it was just this volume of water, like a fire hose. And she was all blown back. Her hair was blown back. Her dress was blown back. And it's like, I'm going to get you cleaned off, sister. <laughs> and I realized I wasn't like Jesus. And I was damaging her. And so the next time I had, I was frustrated. I, I decided I'm never going to be forceful again with her. And um, she was in the kitchen and I was going to say something. Uh, and I walked in the kitchen. I said, hey, uh, this and this and this. I just said it very, very sweet. 
And I walked over and gave her a kiss and I went back in my office. I, was, I have an office at home and I went back in my office. And this went on for a couple of weeks. You know, anytime I had some, something to say to her, I never tried to enforce it. I never tried to nag at her or anything. And so after a couple of weeks, I was in my office one day studying and she stepped into my office, about one step into my office like this. And she said, hey, I noticed what you're doing. I said, yeah. And she said, and I like it. <laughs> well, you know, I, did, I like it too, because it's hard being God, you know, it's just, it's a big job trying to run everybody's life. And when I stopped trying to enforce everything, I let God be God. See, go to your spouse, speak the truth in love, and then let God be God. The Holy Spirit's the spirit of truth. If what you're saying is the truth, he'll enforce it. And you won't damage the relationship. If what you're saying isn't the truth, you don't want him to enforce it. And all of us could be wrong. Let me give you, tell you one other story and I'll close. We had a couple in our church in Amarillo when I was pastoring there. And I was probably around 35. I became senior pastor when I was 29. I was around 35. They were around 25. And they came to me asking me to pray for them because they couldn't have children. And they were, they were trying. They just couldn't have kids. So I prayed with them a couple, two or three times. And they, you know how if any of you have dealt with infertility, and both of our kids dealt with infertility, uh, and, but they were praying and believing for a baby. Well, one day I was at the hospital and I saw their doctor. He was a family friend, and we were in the elevator together at the hospital. And we small talk for just a minute, and then he turned to me. The, it was OBGYN. He turned to me and he said, "Jimmy, that couple in your church that's trying to get pregnant." He said, uh, "There's nothing wrong with them." And I said really? He said, they're perfect. There's nothing physically wrong with them. He said, Jimmy, you need to figure this one out. This is not a medical issue. You need to figure it out. I said, oh, okay. So the next time they came in to see me, they came in my office and they wanted me to pray with them. I said, well, I saw your doctor at the hospital. And they said, yeah. And I said, well, your doctor told me there's nothing wrong with you. And they said, well, that's what he says to us, but we can't have children. And I said, well, tell me, tell me what tell me what's wrong. And they said, we don't know. And I said, yeah, I think you know. And they said, we don't know. I said, yeah, you know. And they said, no, Pastor Jimmy, we, we don't know what's wrong. And I said, yeah, you know what's wrong. <laughs> and we just stared at each other. And she went, yeah, yeah, I think I know what's wrong. I said, tell me what's wrong. She said, well, when I was a little girl, my mother caught me doing some things that uh, I shouldn't have been doing. And she told me that because I did that, God would never let me have children. And I think about it every day. And I said, I knew her mother. And I said, your mother's a sweet lady. And I know that, you know, she didn't mean anything bad by that, but she cursed you. She put a curse on you that you couldn't have children. And I said, that's a real thing. I said, so we're going to do two things right now. We're going to forgive your mother and we're going to break that curse in the name of Jesus. So we forgave her mother. I led her in a prayer. We forgave her mother. And we said, in the name of Jesus, we break that word curse over your body and over your womb. In Jesus' name, amen. She started spitting out kids faster than we can count. <laughs>
three kids, all grown. One of them is a major league baseball pitcher today. And, and the point being the power of words. They are consequential. They come back to us. They have the power of life and death in them. Our words are seed. They have the potential of good or bad, but they're all going to come back to us. And my purpose in being with you this morning is just simply to say, God is madly in love with you. He's head over heels madly in love with you. He has a phenomenal destiny for you. We've all made mistakes in the area of our mouths, but understand this. The potential of your life is going to be realized when you understand the power of your words. Don't have to be perfect, but we have to be careful and release the power of life and it will affect our marriage and everyone around us and it will mean we can have the life that God intended. I want you to bow your heads with me if you would. Lord, thank you for these precious people and this wonderful church. I pray a blessing over every marriage. Some of us have made some real bad mistakes in this area, like I did. And Lord, we repent. We repent for having a, a mouth of death, a sloppy mouth, a mouth that wounds. And we just, we, we repent and pray as we change the tree, Holy Spirit, give us the grace to change the fruit and to be careful. We want you to use our mouth to give life, Lord. We don't want the devil using our mouth. And we believe that what we reap, we're going to sow. We believe that we're going to sow, that we're going to reap a lot more than what we sow. And we believe that there's going to be a delay sometimes. We have to be patient. But Lord, I just pray, heal marriages, bless marriages. I pray for single and divorced people that you will prepare them for a great marriage, that you will supernaturally bring the spouse you have for them from anywhere they are, supernaturally that you'll bring them the right person to them. But Lord, open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing upon this congregation, every person, man, woman, and child. Pour out a blessing on them that they cannot contain in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys, good being with you. Hey man, come on, give Pastor Jimmy a big, big hand, huh? Hey, I'm just gonna ask you, listen, no one leave. No one leave, I need you to tune in. I need you to tune in just a, a, a few minutes. You can stay standing if you, if you want. You can stand, I just need you to tune in. Just, I know there's football and all that. The Jags players that go to the church told me to tell you, do not leave the altar call. They, they, got, they got the first five minutes of the game, okay? Listen, that was so powerful. So, so powerful. Did y'all get that in your heart? I want to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and this is important, okay? I want everyone just looking around. The, the, and it's, it's threefold. And for some of you, your life is about to be changed. The first thing is this. If you just say, Stovall, I, I feel far from God, or I don't know where I really stand with my relationship with Jesus, uh, and, and, and I want to make sure that I have a real relationship with Jesus and my sins are forgiven and, and I have his forgiveness and power in my life. Would you just, just slip up a hand real quick? I'm not going to call you down front. Just go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Lots of hands going up. That's awesome. Excited for 
so many of you guys, at all of our, put them down. Now here's what I wanna ask you. How many of you can relate to that story that Jimmy told? And maybe it wasn't your mom telling you something like that, but somebody, some point in your life, family member, an authority, a friend, in a relationship, whatever, spoke something over you and that thing still comes back up in your mind even years later and you feel like that it's it's affected you in a negative way. I want you to be honest. I want you to raise a hand right now. So I've, I've experienced that. Guess what? We're going to break that curse right now in Jesus' name. So so here's how that happens real quick, okay? So, so most of us in here, we're, we're, we're following Jesus. So we have Jesus's forgiveness. Some of you maybe that haven't had that real relationship with God, you're gonna get that right now. So we have his forgiveness. The second thing is we're gonna forgive those people that have spoken those things over us, amen? That's the key. That's what opens the door to healing. We're gonna forgive them. And then guess what? I'm gonna lead you in a prayer real quick. We're with your mouth. The power of life and death is in the tongue. You're gonna renounce that and you're gonna receive freedom and healing in Jesus' name. Is that good? Are y'all ready? Y'all ready? So I want everyone to re repeat after me, okay? Uh, just, and if this doesn't apply to you, then just say it along as a declaration of faith here. First say this, just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I thank you for forgiveness for all of my sins. I thank you for eternal life. And I follow you from this day forward. Lord, I give you my life and I give you my mouth. And Lord, right now, I forgive every person. I just want you to think maybe about that person, that incident, action, words. Lord, we forgive that person or those people. We forgive them as you have forgiven us. And in the name of Jesus, I want you to say this. In the name of Jesus, I forgive them. And in the name of Jesus, I break that curse, those negative words and negative actions that were spoken over my life. And Lord, I speak your word that is truth, that I belong to you, that I'm your child, that I'm free, that, I, that you are for me, and with you all things are possible, and that I'm gonna be everything that you've called me to be. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, come on, amen, and amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.